This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Today's big day in Florida. I mean, I guess. Who the hell knows? Supposed to be done with the machine recount. But in Palm Beach, there's no machines because they all overheated and no one's there. Uh, This uh, tweet uh, yesterday from Alex Seitzwald, uh, NBC News. Picture of the empty uh, facility. We're now 18 hours from a deadline. They're supposedly rushing to meet and there are zero machines running. Zero employee, uh, zero employees visible working on the floor and no new info in hours. I just asked the supervisor for an update. She waved hand and walked away. <laughs> that inspires a lot of confidence. Uh, that combined with, in addition to uh, provisional ballot boxes being found in Avis rental cars earlier in the week, uh, Bikers for Trump leader Chris Cox finding and dropping in front of a uh, crowds protesting at the Broward County Elections Office, colored zip tie tags found on the ground near the building's loading dock. Fifteen red and orange tags were cut off ballot boxes before the votes reached the elections. The election office is the allegation, which, if true, could be a violation of state law, could be evidence of voter tampering or could be nothing at all. We just don't know. That seems to be sort of the uh, recurring refrain we don't know what the hell is going on in Broward County no well regardless uh Rick Scott was in Washington DC yesterday Mm -hmm. saying hello getting to know fellow senators and Sherrod Brown the recently re-elected Ohio senator was at an Al Sharpton event I could stop there but I'll keep going uh projecting onto Republicans what's happening in Broward County by saying this uh, we have seen what, if Stacey Abrams doesn't win in Georgia, they stole it. It's clear. It's clear. And I would say, I say that publicly, it's clear. What they're trying to do in Florida to the gubernatorial candidate and to the Senate candidate running for re-election. What, who's trying to do to who in Florida? Uh, this is the left's uh, penchant to project onto others what they themselves are doing when it is unsavory. For more on uh, Florida and Georgia... And other matters. We're pleased to be joined by Dave Drucker, senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. David, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Good to be here. So, uh, Brenda Snipes, boy, uh, such a performance that uh, she has provided in this election that uh, even Jeb Bush has felt compelled to weigh in and say she should be replaced. Um, what is your handle on the state of affairs in Florida? Well, look, I. Um I was an advisor to my staff, so I've kind of stayed out of this. What I, what I will say, in terms of my reporting, but what I'll say is that I, I think that what the courts decide are going to be a lot more important and relevant than what the laws are. Judges all over the country have, have shown an inclination to try and um, allow as many counting of ballots and, and if necessary, counting of ballots after initial deadlines um, as possible under the rubric that people shouldn't be disenfranchised. So I don't know exactly what that's going to mean for the the Florida case. I do know in covering elections over the years that when you're ahead by a substantial margin or, you know, even, you know, less than a substantial margin, it's rare that the recounts and court decisions end up changing the results of, of, you know, after election day. 
finish unless there's some sort of real wacky uh, mistake that was made. And that's usually how these things go. Um, and so I think that's definitely what we're dealing with in Florida. I, you know, I think in Georgia, it's a little bit more unclear because the margin that Brian Kemp is ahead by um, is particularly substantial. And so, again, unless there were serious errors made, um, just flat-out errors, it's hard to see how he doesn't finish on top. And look, you know, I mean, if you're, uh, you know, it's, we've seen politicians on both sides of the aisle here make all sorts of specious claims about, you know, why things may or may not go their way. Um, this is in the, in the last week or so been true of Democrats and Republicans. And, and I think we're going to continue to see that because part of the battle with these recounts that we've seen over the years is not just legal um, and actually, you know, what the it's are, but, you know, the, the, the court of public opinion and trying to shape the narrative about who's actually uh, winning and who's actually losing. Well, right. I just wish that Sherrod Brown would be held to account for his fact-free allegation the way that the, the, the D.C. press corps obsesses about President Trump when he alleges things that he can't. Uh, provide evidence to support. I mean, so, you know, a standard that's applied across the board would be a nice change of pace. Well, look, that's part of what you guys are doing. Uh, and, uh, and I think that, as we saw, you know, far back in 2000, when Republicans are active in, in trying to make their case, I think um, there is an impact on public opinion. And I think it can continue to be an impact on public opinion um, as long as, you know, people with an interest in this speak up. Well, um, but then you have what President Trump gave an interview yesterday to the Daily Caller, kind of fact-free claims about people switching hats and then going in to voting for a second time. Is there any evidence to support that kind of crazy claim? Nope. And it sounds, I mean, look, you know, the president tries to make outlandish, embellished claims to prove a general point. Mm -hmm. But this is one of his better ones, (laughs) put it that way. But there's just... Also, look, you know, whatever you think about, you know, how local elections are run, and all of our elections are run locally, um, stuff like this just doesn't happen. I mean, not on any large scale. I mean, did one person somewhere in a country of 350 million people do it? Possibly. Um, But, you know, the same election that swept Republicans into power in 2010 with a gain of 63 seats, that swept them into power in the Senate with a gain of nine seats, that swept President Trump into power with a solid electoral college victory, is the same election that just swept, it's the same country with the same counties and election officials formerly that just swept Democrats into power in the House. So these things, you know, they're not bad just when they don't go your way, but they're fine when they do go your way. I mean, our, our election, our local election systems, state-run, county-run, tend to work pretty well. And, you know, part of the history of the United States is that we don't like too much power centralized. And so that's one of the reasons why elections are locally run. And I think the country was pretty well. Well, yeah, I agree generally with that statement, but there are exceptions to that rule. And Brenda Snipes is one of them. And that's, you know, frankly, on uh, Rick Scott in particular uh, for not relieving of her her of her duty after uh, the initial go around where she was found to have. Uh, acted in contravention to state law and ballot integrity. So, uh, you know, there are examples where people should be made an example of for the purposes of maintaining confidence in the local administration of elections. Yeah, look, I, you know, like I said, it's not a perfect system. I'm just 
tend to swing back and forth. Yeah, I understand. And, you know, I, I, I just tend to look at it as we've elected Democrats, we've elected Republicans. Um, it tends to work pretty well overall. I want to get your uh, take on uh, the insurgency within Democrat ranks in the House, uh, some uh, dozen and a half members that say they're not going to vote for Pelosi and the Congressional Black Caucus giving Tom Perez a no confidence vote as the DNC chairman. A bunch of sound and fury signifying very little. Pelosi will be the speaker. Tom Perez is going to stay or some real revolt afoot. Well, look, I don't know that Tom Perez will stay or not. I mean, that, that's actually uh, questionable. I, I think Pelosi's likely to be the speaker, but I think that the rebellion in the Democratic ranks of the House is real. I think there's a lot of restlessness. She's been at the top mm-hmm. for 14 years, if I'm uh, not mistaken. That is a long time for a caucus to be led by one person. It's rather unusual. It's a testament to how talented um, and powerful Pelosi is as a politician. Um, but I, I think that there, you know, a lot of Democrats ran on not supporting her for speaker. Um, I think a lot of them intend to keep that promise. I think there are a lot of, a lot of other Democrats that were reelected that are, you know, starting to get tired of her as leader. Um, this tends to happen over time. It's just a restlessness, and so I wouldn't completely rule out the idea that she doesn't uh, end up having the votes for the gavel. But it is likely. The DNC, you know, look, I, I think the Democratic National Committee still, there's a lot of work to be done to clean it up, fix it, and, and have it work properly. So I don't, I don't know that Tom Perez is a shoo-in for another term. We don't even know that he wants another term. Yeah. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe they could replace Keith Ellison with Michael Avenatti as the deputy DNC director. Oh, at least. too soon. For, you know, for, really, to, really not. for, for stability. No. For no. profile, no? Okay. Um, back to the uh, Speaker of the House, though. Uh, we had a rep on with on CNN last night. His name is, why am I having a mind blank? Oh, Seth Moulton. And he's suggesting that they need to have an African-American female as the Speaker of the House and was rep, uh, recommending Marsha Fudge. Is there any traction on that? Well, we'll have to see. Look, part of the problem with this launching policy is very few Democrats have done the work to win the votes. Um, a, a, a caucus leadership position on Capitol Hill is not about who the grassroots want. Um, it's not about you know who the interest group want or any of that. Who's raised money? Who gets legislation passed? Who has put members in a position to be successful? Who knows how to protect members from the attacks that might come? Um, there are a few Democrats that might be in a position to do that. Uh, you know, Marshall Pledge or anybody else is going to have to make the case that they can defend this majority and it's going to have you know going to be a very hard fought election in 2020 and you know that may be i think that's Pelosi's biggest asset is that there are very few people underneath her that have done the work that are in that position i think that's a problem in general for democrats is if you want to you want to have an expansive leadership team that can do what she does and i think with a lot of the new blood that was elected there's a lot of talented there's a lot of talent in that pool and, and a lot of them want to rise in the top i just don't know uh, whether it's Marsha Fudge or anybody else, if anybody's in a position to win the votes. But if there are enough votes to vote against Pelosi, somebody will rise. You know who uh, likes uh, Fudge is J.B. Pritzker. Oh, uh, hey but yo. enough about that. Uh, on the other side, Republican uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, defeating Jim Jordan to be the House Minority Leader. Uh, it, what kind of um, caucus leader is Kevin McCarthy going to be? How uh, uh, aligned with Trump uh, as compared to Paul Ryan? How much cohesion can he bring uh, from the leadership position to the House Republican caucus? 
Well, look, McCarthy has a better relationship with Trump than, than Paul Ryan did. But this is also a different dynamic because when you're the minority leader, you're basically your only job is to vote no. And it's all you really have to do. Mm-hmm. And because you have a president in the White House, it's going to be very easy to be aligned with President Trump. You're not going to have the same internal strife. You know, the House Freedom Caucus now is not going to have very much power because Republicans can't pass anything in the House. And so instead of having a situation where you have a Republican majority that's trying to pass legislation and the Freedom Caucus wants to be uh, more conservative and they have the votes to block it, uh, basically they have the votes to block it because Republicans can't pass anything. So they're all going to be in league together now. It's going to be a much more Trump-friendly caucus, but by the same token, Democrats have all the power in the House. You know, the, the Senate is going to be where Republicans are flexing their muscles on Capitol Hill. And, you know, that's, I think, where you're, you're going to see a lot of action. He is David Drucker, senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner, WashingtonExaminer.com. David, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Connect with Dan and Amy on the AM560 The Answer mobile app. Just text the word app to 64636 to download the app today.